Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. This episode is proudly brought to you by Outvest the online investment platform powered by Outsurance. Visit outvest.co.za today to design your own investment plan and start working towards financial freedom. Welcome to a very special episode of Honest Money. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about global investing made easy, but the tables have been turned on me a little bit because I'm I'm going to be asking or answering the questions rather, and Grant Locke, head of Artfest, will be asking the questions. So so thank you, Grant. Uh, Go go easy and go gentle, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. Oh, Warren, thank you very much. It's great to be in the seat finally where I get to ask the questions <laughs> and I've been prepping and I look forward to getting a little bit more information on global investing. So I think to start with, I think the first thing that everyone should understand is to invest globally, why? Why should I invest my money globally? I think it's a, it's kind of a topical thing for us in South Africa. You know, it's always there or thereabouts. You know, there are talking heads uh, out there that are that are kind of spewing misinformation about mm. global investing. So, so if you said to me, what are the good reasons? Why should we invest overseas? I, I would say, you're you're looking to buy into companies and uh, economies and stock markets that offer something different from what we have in South Africa. So, for example, you can't really buy a pharmaceutical company in South Africa that does the research and development and actually builds new drugs and new ways of, of dealing with health issues. Yes, we've got one little you know c- company here, but they're not doing the R&D and, and that kind of a thing. We, we also don't really have technology companies that are building um, the way we are going to do business in the future. We don't have a Netflix or a Microsoft or an Amazon or whatever the new versions of those are going to be. So, so our economy is quite focused on uh, mining. It's quite focused on, on, uh, on banking and insurance and a little bit in, in the other sectors of the economy. But really, if you want to buy into companies that that do things differently from what we've got in South Africa, you have to send your money overseas. I'm actually going to take you another step back because I think there's actually even a more fundamental reason why people think you should be investing overseas. And I think there's a there's a comment out there in the market that just be, just by moving your money offshore, you're actually going to get a better rate of return. Is that true? Not really. Um, I, I think to understand th- that you will get a better return sometimes. And at other times, you'll get a worse return by, by investing your money overseas. You, you know, inflation rates overseas are generally a lot lower than we have in South Africa. Uh, some of those economies overseas are, their populations are old, uh, you, you know, their economies aren't growing that fast. And, and so they're a little bit stagnant. And, and then because we are an emerging market and because we are a, a resources-driven economy as well, there are times where we deliver fantastic returns. I know you're dying to tell me, so 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 how does that look over, over a long period of time? What do we do as a, as, as a, a country? Okay, so I, I'm a bit of a student of history, right? And one of the best quality data series that I know of was put together by three professors from the London Business School, that's Dimson, Staunton and Marsh. And they track the performance of, I think, close on 40 global markets all over the world. And they do it from 1900 all the way to 2020. And in the latest data series, South Africa over the last 120 years has been one of the best performing global equity markets. In fact, last year, 
funnily enough, after the drop in March, South Africa came back as one of the best performing equity markets the world over. So I think you're right in saying you've got to be careful about using return or the expectation of good return as a as a just an automatically way of of investing of, of getting more out of your global out of your investments. I think one of the things that you do need to think of is then the way that I think about global investing is it's actually a way of protecting your wealth, of conserving your wealth by giving you access to greater opportunities, which is kind of another way of saying what you're saying. But I think before we kick on and we can go on this ad nauseum, but I think one of the things I want to ask you is before I even think about global investing, before I actually take my money and then put it globally, what are some of the, some of the, some of the things I need to think about? Uh, I think um, understanding um, the conversion of your rands to another currency is a big issue because I think a lot of people spend a lot of time on that, you know, and, and they're, they're forever trying to predict when to send their money out. So, you know, I mean, I'll get a lot of questions, you know, you know from people saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I've taken the, the global investing argument on board. I do want to send my money out. When should I go? What, what should I wait for? You know, with the rand, where you know, what's the ideal time? And and then they become you know expert currency timers from nowhere. Uh, and and to understand that there is nobody in the world, doesn't matter what you do for a living, doesn't matter how clever you are, uh, no one can predict the currency. We can't even as a as a as a world, we can't even predict the weather. How on earth are we going to predict currencies? I don't know. So. I think it's important to say that if you need to invest overseas, then then make the decision to 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 send your money out when the rand is okay, and and you know that that's all you can do. You can't get the currency right. So so I think it's about uh, avoid the currency timing issue, and then I think stop overcomplicating uh, investments when you go overseas. So for example, people will be wondering, you know, should I have a third of my money in dollars, a third in euros, a third in pounds, or what should I do when, you know, Brexit happens or, you know, something happens in the, in the EU and, and, you know, how's it going to move my money? The answer is be kind of straightforward and, and, and be simple with your investments. In other words, a global portfolio, one, one thing that's globally diversified is plenty because by definition, it's exposing you to lots of countries, lots of currencies, lots of different economies. And then you don't need to make these big calls about, well, you know, China's like taken over Hong Kong. What should I do with my Asian stuff? And, you know, Trump's left and now Biden's in. And what does that do for my, the answer is no one actually knows. So, so I think avoiding predictions is, a, is another big one. And then my last one, and there are plenty, but I think the big ones also are avoid FOMO, avoid the fear of missing out. So, you know, so cryptocurrencies is kind of a theme, right? And, and so we see cryptocurrencies blowing up and then people want to convert their rands to, you know, dollars and then use the dollars to buy a crypto or, or, or just convert straight into cryptos because they're, they're, they're afraid of missing out. The same thing happens with just buying technology shares when technology is blowing up and, and people think that's a thing to buy. So chasing uh, investments that have already done well, that, that sense of FOMO is a terrible way to invest. So, so mm. uh, take emotion out of the, the whole argument. Don't be afraid. So don't invest overseas because you're afraid. Mm. That's, a, that's emotion. I agree with it's a that. bad idea. So, so avoid the emotion. And be quite structured and strategic. Decide that you need to have 25% or 50% of your money overseas. Build up your offshore allocation. Be nicely spread. And don't worry about the rest. I actually also want to throw something at you here. Like, do you actually even need to move your money overseas? Do you need to do it? What is, if I decide I want global exposure, do I need to send my money out of South Africa? You don't need to. Uh, I, I mean, I think there are, there are a category of funds uh, and, and investments in South Africa, a terrible name. They're called feeder funds. So, mm. you know, the, your, uh, your financial services industry uh, contemporaries, you know, they're, they're not creative with, with, with names. Well, look, you know, that, that's not, that's not our, core option, our core skill. 
Yeah. So, so, uh, um, so when we look at this, what is a feeder fund? A feeder fund says you take rands, you buy a local investment in, in that it is listed on a stock exchange in South Africa, or it's a unit trust, or it's available on an administration platform. And that, that investment then goes a hundred percent into international markets. Uh, and, and when you decide to sell the investment, you're going to get the benefit of the rand moving against, let's say, the dollar as an example and uh, the, the performance of the international markets, but you are going to receive the money back in rands and it then will get paid to your bank account in South Africa. So you're getting all the benefit of whatever the rand versus the dollar or the pound or whatever it is going to do and the, the international markets, but it is in rands. Mm. Is that a good idea? I think the answer is for people who are investing smaller amounts of money or really importantly, if you're investing debit orders, if you're doing a regular monthly mm. investment, I think those feeder fund structures are ideal because you don't want to convert your rands into dollars on a thousand rand or 2000 rand at a time because the, the, the transaction charges of converting your currency is you know, way too expensive. And, and secondly, the, 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 the conversion costs of converting your dollars into the investment you want to buy are also expensive. So, so I think there is a way to, to do global investing in South Africa with, with just rands, no problem at all. The one time I would say you don't want to do that is, for example, if you do want to, to, to eliminate the potential for a government in South Africa, I don't think it's this government, but a government in South Africa changing exchange controls, closing down doors that, that, that might be open today to us. So, so if you are one of those who are deeply fearful that a new political regime, you know, could change uh, the, the structure of investing in South Africa permanently, then, then you probably want to actually convert mm -hmm. your money, but then you need to do it in large amounts. And, and then the last category would be, for example, retirement funds, you know, if you've got a living annuity, if you've got a company uh, or an endowment, uh, sorry, a trust, th those aren't really allowed to invest overseas. So, so you need to do the feeder fund structure then. Okay. So I think, I mean, there's actually already a lot to think about, but I think one of the, the other bits, and I think it's, this is the kind of the boring bit. So everyone, when they think of global investing, they're like, okay, cool. What do I buy? Do I buy crypto? Do I buy biotech? Do I go into an ETF or an index ETF? But I think even before we even get to that point, the other point is, how do I structure my global investments? What currency do I pick? Where do I domicile it? And I think, that, you know, even just the, the, the case of domiciling, you, you know, in your book, Global Investing Made Easy, you talked very, very, I mean, you, you know, it was a big discussion about where to domicile your investments and why the domicile really matters from a, from a return point of view after, you know, in, in terms of your estate. So I'd love to hear a bit of your thoughts about that. So, so domicile is just a fancy word for the home of your money overseas. Mm. So when you send your money, it needs to go the, the home of where it will actually live because you living here, where, where does your money live? So, so domicile is important because most of us, we're, we're kind of very westernized in our approach. So, so we all, we kind of brainwashed almost that, you know, we should put our money in America because, mm. you know, the father of index investing was a guy who started Vanguard. And so Vanguard's amazing if you believe in index investing. And there's, there's so much choice. You can buy almost, you can invest in anything in the, in the, in the States. Yeah. So, so, so we kind of get brainwashed to it, it must be America. Now, the problem with America is that when you have more than $60,000 worth of investments that are living in America, so the domicile is America, and you pass away, the, the, the American taxman is going to take 40% of your money uh, of, the, of the assets that are in America. Now, for example, if you buy my favorite share, Berkshire Hathaway, or you buy an index that's sitting in America, you buy Microsoft, Apple, it doesn't matter, uh, and, and the domicile of your money is there, they're, they're, they are going to take 
40% of your money over, mm. over $60,000. So, so that's a big number. The same applies, for example, if you have your money living in mainland UK. So if it's in the city of London or you know, somewhere in the UK, the, the same would apply, but, but the amount is much bigger. It's 325,000 pounds. So, so taxes become a huge issue when you are investing that you want to avoid being taxed twice. Mm. So I'm not saying that you need to find a place where you're never going to pay tax because the reality is if you are a legit citizen, you are going to pay tax somewhere, but ideally you want to pay it once and you want to pay it here in South Africa. So choose a place, for, for example, some of the best places I think are Luxembourg, uh, the country of Ireland, the Channel Islands, so the, you know that's Jersey, Jersey Guernsey, Isle of Man, Isle of Man, Switzerland. Those are great places because their regulations are excellent. So the, the protection of investors is very good. And secondly, they don't tax you twice. They're not going to tax someone who's not a resident in those countries uh, uh, for death duties or any kind of other taxes. So, so I think avoiding double tax is a big issue. And then security that you know where your money's invested, the, the regulators will look after you and they're not going to chop and change the law. So, I mean, if we think back to something like the financial crisis, mm. A lot of uh, a lot of Russian oligarchs had money in Cyprus, and all of a sudden things went wrong in Cyprus, and you couldn't get your money. Just simply couldn't get your money. I remember that. And and, and so it's avoiding big issues like that that I think uh, you know the domicile of your money is a critical question. I think there's, there's one other point about the domicile that you also need to make sure that you are aware that that domicile's relations with other domiciles and where you invest as well, because there's an element of blacklisting, right? So if you choose a domicile that might have a low tax regime. You also need to make sure that that domicile, um, you know, is not necessarily going to make it more difficult for you to invest more globally. So there's some domiciles out there that are blacklisted from a FATCA perspective, the financial action uh, task task for awesome. taxes. I think it's the US FATCA. And then you, you actually find it much more difficult to move your money around. You come under undue scrutiny. So you also, domiciles are a very, very important consideration that you make when you are investing money. I think the second thing is what legal entity should you invest? And this one, actually, when I, when I was reading your book, you know, it hadn't really crossed my mind. It's not like I have enough money to basically consider opening a foundation. But I think using a legal entity as your offshore investment vehicle is something that I think lots of people would like to know a little bit more about. And when do I use a trust or when do I use a foundation or when do I go in my personal capacity? So I think size counts, unfortunately. So, so uh, if you're sending money overseas and it's get, it's going to be, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, just understand that a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money, but it's not enough money, for example, to justify opening a trust or opening up an offshore company or, or a foundation that you mentioned, because the running costs of those are very expensive. You know, they're probably in, you know, if you're in a good jurisdiction that we've just spoken about and, and you're, you know, with a company that's going to deliver good service with good reputation, you're probably paying Two to five thousand dollars as a minimum mm. per year to run your 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 structure if it's not in your name, and and so if you if you're paying five thousand dollars a year uh, and you've got a hundred thousand dollars, you're giving away five percent of the value of your investment before you've even started to grow it, before you've paid for the investment costs, etc. And that's just far too much mm. for cost. So so I think the starting point is. Size is important. So I think to, to me, to justify any kind of a structure, you need about a million dollars. So so that's a big number. 
Yeah. And then secondly, you need to have a good reason for doing it. And to me, the best reason is because you want to make sure that the money is going to go from you. If you, let's say you're a parent and you want to know that it's going to go to your children if you pass away at the right time and at the right age for them. So, you know, it's, it's, it would be silly, for example, in your world to say, well, my overseas investments go to my children and they inherit that at, at the age of 12 for, you mm-hmm. know, if something happened to you. So, so you want to know that they are going to be taken care of while, while they're not adults and, and potentially for a few years after they become adults uh, and, and then saying, okay, I, I know that the, the money goes to the next generation. I think that's the best reason. There are some other good reasons in terms of just making sure that you are tax efficient if you're doing business structures or, or, or those kinds of things while while you're while you've got the money overseas. But the best reason to have a trust is moving money from one generation to the next. Warren, thank you very much. I think this has been really fascinating and I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more in future episodes. Th- thanks, Grant. It, um, I think I'm sweating here. It was a, <laughs> it was a tough session to be on this side of the microphone, but I appreciate it and looking forward to the next one. This episode was proudly brought to you by Outvest. While everyone will tell you that time is your friend when it comes to investing, few will talk about the enemy. Investment fees. And that's because they can be higher than you think and not always entirely clear. In fact, you usually need to ask your provider for your effective annual cost, or EAC for short. With Outvest, however, fees are transparent and radically low leaving more of your money to grow, and that can have a dramatic effect in the long term. Visit artvest.co.za today and give yourself a low-fee advantage for retirement, fixed-rate, tax-free, and general investments. There's even a global investment solution coming soon. Artvest is an authorized FSP and is powered by Outsurance. All investments are exposed to risk, not guaranteed, and dependent on the performance of the underlying assets. T's and C's apply.